streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to another edition of the Sunday Side Session. I am Mike Schaefer, and today, joining us from the Damon Benning Show, the one without the billing for some reason, <laughs> name, we have Robbie Lula. Robbie, how's it going? I'm doing good. I mean, technically, I have second billing. It's the Damon Benning Show with Robbie Lula, so tech, I'm like the understudy a little bit, a- you know? Is a concern there that if they just decide at any point in time they could just cut the width part out and then it could just be the Damon Benning show? Uh, no, I think the cons. I mean, honestly, if we're going like making of the sausage here, it's because he's easier to sell. So they just want in front and center. I don't know why we we've known him long enough. I don't know what makes him sellable. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the people like ex Huskers and people that are good at radio. So you know, I've only got one of those. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm working at zero, so you know that's that's where I'm at. Yeah. Oh, oh, the Huskers. Oh, never mind. Uh, let me let me change uh, change what I'm saying there. All right, Nebraska coming off of a win. Um, felt a little bit different before the uh, what 30, 35 minute rain delay. I think it was a full hour. Full hour rain delay. Yeah, uh, it was like fifty six minutes. It was only like thirty minutes of actual weather, right. but then you've got the gap, right? Mm-hmm. So. Got to get them back ready and and everything. Yeah, so to me, in the stadium, it felt like a, a giant difference between the uh, the delay and then the restart. And then certainly the the juice that Nebraska had upon the restart was nil. There's probably about mm, 20,000 people in the stadium. I don't know. That's what it looked like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't always see the portion directly below the press box. But not not a lot of people in the stands. Still, though, how would you describe Nebraska's 28-14 win over Louisiana Tech for anyone fortunate enough not to have spent four hours with that game? Yeah, I I would have called it a grinder. Um, that's just, you know, workmanlike, something in that neighborhood. Um, it's not it's not pretty yet. The the um the way they go about things isn't doesn't look good yet. Um but you know, wins look good. So that's kind of, you know, I, I think sometimes we have to remind ourselves that this team lost to Georgia Southern last year. Yep. Um, that this team still has not won three games in a row since Mike Riley was here. Um, and so winning two games in a row is still matters. Like it, it it's part of the process. It's part of um, building to where you want to go. And frankly, you know, I said this on uh, our post game show last night. Nebraska hasn't earned the right to win pretty games yet. Like they're not there. Um, and so, you know, not to sound all go all Matt rule on you, but they haven't, they're not at the point in the building process where they get to win games pretty yet. And so 
Um, this is kind of how I expect it to look when they win games. It's going to be ugly. And it's going to be kind of a fist fight. And I think they're okay with that. Um, but it's not going to be the most aesthetically pleasing football most of the time. Yeah. And I know for me coming into Saturday's game, I was, I was curious how they responded because they handled Northern Illinois and they won that game. And so then the expectation, all right, Louisiana Tech's a worse team. Nebraska is at home again. You should just be able to show up and, you know, run the football, which they were able to do. I mean, it took them a little bit of time to, to kind of get rhythm there uh, and run away with this game. They were maybe set up to do that going into the fourth quarter. Didn't quite finish the job off in, in that regard. But I was, I was really curious how they were going to show up after a win. And one of the things that you sort of learn, there's still a many, many miles for them to go on every phase of this team. Like, I mean, there's no, even, even the defense yesterday kind of felt like a little bit of a struggle out of the gates. They didn't give up a ton of points. They didn't give up a ton of yards, but it just felt like it's sort of almost a regression with some of the long third downs that were being given up with some of the pass coverage break uh, busts that they had with the, the lack of uh, pressure that they were getting up front. What, We'll, we'll start on the defensive side of the ball because we're going to spend a lot more time, I assume, on offense, and especially mm-hmm. when we kick this thing forward. What did you see out of Nebraska's defense? How do you feel about this unit four games in? Yeah, so I still think they're dramatically better than they were last year. Agreed. Um, that's 100% that's, agree. You know, even, even if what we had seen yesterday was all four games, I still think they're a lot better than they were last year, and yesterday was the worst we'd seen them in four games. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that the numbers against Colorado skew differently, but if you know you watch that game, like that's not how the game was going. Well, the right? short field alone basically kind of puts a yeah. lot of it against you. And so, um, I thought this was their worst defensive performance. Uh, the thing that stuck out to me immediately was they just didn't seem to be tackling as well. That's something that would have been a huge improvement year over year, and they just weren't. I don't know if they weren't quite as laser focused in as the, as they'd been in the past, but. Um, and I thought they actually cleaned it up in the second half. Honestly, it was mostly in the first half. They seemed to not be getting as many hats around the ball. The first guy wasn't making the tackle, stuff like that. And so, um, I know like Luke Reimer got hurt. So I don't know how much of that is part of it. He was hurt pretty early. I don't think I saw a ton of Bayer out there. I, yeah. So, and then Lenhart was obviously out as well. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's not like they, weren't missing some pieces um so that matters especially with Reimer and Bayer those guys I think are two your better sure tacklers probably so mm-hmm. um maybe that's all it was maybe it was a focus thing you know I, I don't really know um I, like I said I do think they cleaned it up in the second half but as far as the defense as a whole I'm still really encouraged about what we've seen so far like if this is their worst performance I mean Louisiana Tech was under 300 yards of total offense before that last drive yep after the rain delay and or the lightning delay. And I mean, anything that happened after that, I'm kind of just like, you know, shrug. Like, I don't know. I don't really know what to do after you've been off the field for an hour. And right. it's a three touchdown margin with half a quarter left. Like, am I going to put a ton of stock into anything that happened after that? Probably not. Um, and I'd hope I'd be saying the same thing if it was some amazing thing that happened to Nebraska. Right. Right. Um, so like overall, I think the defense is probably the thing they're going to hang their hat on. Um, I think I, I think I read that it's the first time Nebraska's held four straight opponents under 60 yards rushing since 1999. Wow. Um, and again, 
you can look at opponents and stuff like that, but those are two power five opponents in there. And one of them in Minnesota wants to run the football. Yep. And Northern Illinois, I think, wanted to run the football. And Louisiana Tech averaged 181 yards a game coming in. For yeah. Four games you know, in. So that wasn't what what they did to all four of these teams rushing attacks, I don't think it's something that's a mirage. Like I I think they they actually are gonna be pretty good up front for the most part. Yeah, so I'm really encouraged by that. I mean, you're talking almost 25 years it's been since they've done something like that. That's not like every four-game period from 99 to now has been a gauntlet. Like, they've played bad teams over four stretches for the last 25 years, and it's not something they've done before. So that matters. Um, I think that's something to kind of, re- like, remind us the perspective of, of why we think this defense has looked so good. Um Overall, I'm, I'm really not super worried. I think they've done a really good job of uh, building depth on that team. Like if Reimer, if I had told you Reimer was going to go out in any game, basically a series in, um, we all probably would have been freaking out before the season. Been like, oh, yeah. we're in trouble. Uh, if I had told you like Henrich isn't going to be healthy the first, for the first like two, maybe three games, like it's it, we'd all would have been freaking out. We've barely noticed like – Reimer went out last week. We barely noticed. Um, did, they looked fine without Henrich. Not that Henrich isn't a good football player, but, you know, Lenhart went out. That one we probably noticed the most because they didn't get much pressure on the quarterback today. And I don't know if that was because Lenhart wasn't in there or it was. I wanted to ask about that. So to me, up in the box, it felt like they just rushed three the entire game. Mm-hmm. Very rarely did they bring any pressure. It's almost mm-hmm. like they expected a lot of uh wide receiver screens and you know blitz counteraction from louisiana tech so they kind of went opposite and they mm-hmm. did a hang eight a lot of times that's that's what it looked like to me i don't know what other people saw on on the television that's what it looked like to me on tv i i think they brought four sometimes but that's still not considered like plus pressure right, right? um yeah so i think I, four or more was pretty rare yesterday yeah, I, I didn't see hardly any plus pressure um, from the defense yesterday. And part of that probably is due to the offensive scheme, right? Like those air raid and air raid adjacent teams get rid of the ball super duper fast. Um, you're dealing with a guy in Turner who had never started before, wasn't going to be like Shadur Sanders in terms of running around and getting people open or like getting open and, you know, trying to to wait out the play a little bit. So um, you know, like the Shadur Sanders stacks are like a little inflated from the Colorado game because of how long he holds on to the ball trying to make mm-hmm. a play. That wasn't going to be the case with a team like Louisiana Tech where they're just trying to get the ball out in a pretty reasonably uh, amount of time. So um, I I agree. They didn't bring plus, pre- plus pressure much, which I think was by design a big part of why we didn't see the pressure that we right. did. Um, you're just not going to beat guys – you're not going to beat offensive lines with three man pressure very often. Like that's just not a thing that's going to happen unless you've got just like a total terror on that side. Like unless Sue is still lining up on there, like you're not getting even then it's not like it's not happening a lot. Right. Um, And so not having Lenhart and not bringing plus pressure like it, that showed up. Right. But again, less than 300 300 yards of total offense before the The lightning delays. So even with that, maybe we don't like the way it looks because we like the pressures and we like the sacks and we like all this, you know, we like the splash plays on defense. You know, I go back to how I described the game in general. It was a very workmanlike 
approach on defense. And would you like to see him clean up some of the third and longs? Absolutely, because that'll come back to bite him at some point. But yeah, aside from that, I don't know that I don't know that I'm overly concerned about what we saw yesterday. Yeah. My my biggest nitpick with Nebraska's defense, which trust me, I am as high as, as anybody is, is how they've played so far. But the concern that I would have is that I just don't feel like they make enough plays in the passing game mm-hmm. that some team is really going to take advantage of that. And so yesterday we kind of saw it early with Louisiana Tech that they were able to kind of hit on a few things. I, I, I will say this, and this isn't uh, a Mike Schaefer original. It's probably not even a Michael Brunt's original. But he leaned over at one point and the start of the second half and he's like, have you noticed, basically, they come out of the second half very clearly having made adjustments, mm-hmm. and they almost always work immediately mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. Yeah. And so um, now Colorado's second half didn't look as clean. Uh, you, you had Nebraska with the busted play touchdown to score there, and then they had the opportunity to get off the field on the third down, and the guy hit the pass over Tommy Hill. But, um, you know, for the most part, this team has done really well, both defensively and offensively coming out of halftime, which is not something that we are accustomed to in Lincoln based on the previous, <laughs> you know, I would say five years. Some people would say 15 years. So I was going to say, I think you could probably say three coaching staffs. I yeah. Mean, I mean, I, <laughs> definitely I, I don't want to relitigate the last two. I don't want to really get a relitigate no. the last one, but no, um, but, yeah, it's a fair, yeah. it's a, it's a fair, it's noticeable, right? Like yeah. you, they, they definitely are a second half team. So mm-hmm. I think part of what we have to adjust to watching this is that these coaches do a pretty good job getting in there at halftime, figuring out different things to do. Now, maybe there's some inherent coaching advantages in these first four games they've had, but I mean, you look at, you're going against uh, PJ Fleck, who I regard to be, you know, annoying but a good coach last yeah. night's result aside <laughs> notwithstanding um, yeah yeah that was wow um <laughs> you know whatever that's we'll let their sunday side session figure that one out <laughs> um you know so i that's that's definitely one of the things that that i've appreciated i just again i would like to see a few more pass breakups like getting your hand on the ball when it's in the air mm-hmm. and a lot of what they do is just extreme competency which again around these parts very rare they're pretty good at keeping the teams in front of them, tackling right away. There's not a lot of yak stats for teams so far this year. Um, you know, so I, I think that's all really good. But I do worry there's probably only one team on their schedule built to do this to them, though, and that's Maryland. Like, I just – there's not a lot of passing games that I look at mm-hmm. that the quarterback's going to be really crisp, take advantage of all of these things. But that is a little bit of a concern that I have. Uh, for for this defense, I'd like to see a few more plays with the ball in the air. It was nice to see Gifford get that interception to end the game yesterday. It was good to see a hand, you know, get on a pass like that and force the ball in the air. Like there just haven't been that many opportunities through four weeks. Uh, and you know, I noticed you look in the third quarter, you have like one pass breakup at that mm-hmm. point. Like you, you'd like to see that when a team's throwing thirty plus times in the first three quarters, you'd like to see that be a little bit higher again, just a nitpick because you would have told me before the season teams are averaging less than 20 points in the first four games against Nebraska. If <laughs> I mentally go back to the idea that Georgia Southern and Northwestern combined for more than 70 themselves, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think everyone would a hundred percent take that. Uh, but in there, there's still a few things that for me limit it from being 
something that I can fully invest 100% trust that they can keep teams uh, reasonably down that their offense can play with. Yeah, I mean, that's totally fair. I I kind of just wonder if they're maybe just not there yet. Yeah, it's it's a hundred percent a crawl before you walk, walk yeah. before you run thing, and they're in the walk stage. Right. And it feels like we think that maybe they're starting to jog a little bit. You know, I don't know why I'm not a runner. I'm using this analogy, but <laughs> clearly don't get that much exercise if anyone sees me in person. But um that's just they're that's where they're at. And it's like you yeah. you know the offense is still in the crawl phase. Yeah. And so you really want that defense to kind of to, to pick you to up the, a little bit more, yeah, yeah, because you feel like it's it's going to be hard to win some of these games if you don't get some of those bigger defensive plays. Yeah, so I don't know if it's going to be in terms of like interceptions and things like that. Although I, I said this last week, and I think it's true still. I think the turnovers are coming because I, of I, I genuinely agree. Yes, like because of how they've played defense so far, because of how many guys they typically get to the ball when they're tackling because of how much pressure they've put on the quarterback. Like to me, those are all recipes for the the turnovers are coming. Like you don't do those things without forcing teams into mistakes very often, you know? And so like QB pressures, whether it's uh, strip sacks, whether it's forcing them into bad throws or bad reads or whatever, like I think the, the turnovers are coming there. I think they're going to start punching the ball out with how many guys they're getting around the ball in, in tackling. Like I just – I believe that's the next step in what this defense looks like. Now, to be fair, I don't know if they take the next step this year. I don't know if it happens next year. I don't know when it happens, right? But stylistically, what I'm watching is a is very similar to defenses that turn people over a lot. And to be fair though, at the same time, like what I love them love for them to get some plus turnover margins here, absolutely. But I also understand the value of what they're doing right now in terms of not making the big mistakes for the most part, in terms of keeping guys in front of them and making sure tackles and stuff like that for the most part, you know, we talked about yesterday earlier, but um, like that's, that's the basis of a really good defense, right? All of those things. I think sometimes turnovers mask and otherwise bad defense. Um if they're able to, if they've got, you know, a standout corner that picks people off all the time, or if they've got a standout D end that is able to get to the quarterback all the time, that masks other holes in a defense. And you would love to have those guys, right? And I think maybe Lenhart is one of those guys. I think, um, you know, maybe they've got some of those guys in the secondary. I don't totally know yet. But in order for that to take you from just masking over holes to being a truly great defense, like you have to have all the stuff they're doing now. So would I love to see more turnovers? Absolutely. Am I kind of okay with how it's building right now? Yeah, I'm, I am. Yep. Let's take a uh, quick timeout. We'll dive into the offensive side of the ball and set things up for Nebraska's next game against Michigan on Saturday. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. <laughs> 
And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. All right. Offense. It was ugly. There's no other way to say it. Uh, but as I, as I tweeted, Nebraska's offense may be ugly. But the quarterback run game has a winning personality. And that <laughs> is what they have to rely on. I mean, that's the calling card for this team. That is the single most dangerous thing they have in their arsenal. Because mm-hmm. that regardless of which quarterback it is, I think Marcus Satterfield, for all of the uh all of the anger, and he's another guy who's done a really nice job with adjustments in the second half. He really look has. at Nebraska's yardage in the second half relative to the first. Uh, in every single one of these games, for the most part. Um, I think he has the ability to put together a pretty decent quarterback run game that can utilize either Heinrich Harburg or Jeff Sims. And so I I just kind of want your thoughts on what you've seen Nebraska do in the quarterback run game and then just the offense overall from yesterday against Louisiana Tech. Yeah, I mean, I've been really encouraged by the quarterback run game. And, you know, I've been kind of a proponent of it uh, for this team's specifically basically since week one where Sims got 19 carries and I was like yeah I, I mean maybe maybe you need even more like you know because mm-hmm. I think that first week uh seven of the 19 were off of scrambles or sacks and I was like yeah I think maybe you need like 20 designed runs a game out of these guys and with Harburg in there I definitely think that's true um I like that they mix up what they do in terms of quarterback run game I yeah, mean it's not always the same thing yeah, you see some triple option out there, which I, I still don't think we've seen Harburg pitch a ball ever, um, which is fine because it's been working. Um, it'd be nice to have the threat, but that's a that's a different topic for a different day. Um, you know, they do this kind of zone read into a RPO, which they scored on last week. With that little uh, touchdown to Billy Kemp near the goal line was kind of one of those, which kind of function as it functions as a triple option, but it – um, looks differently, causes defenses to to react to it a little bit differently. Um, you've got kind of the straight QB run game with with draws and things like that as well. Then you've got just the straight zone read. Um, they've done a really good job of throwing different looks out there. It's not just, hey, same thing, QB run over and over and over again. Um, and I think that's I think that is a big part of why it's been so successful. Obviously, it fits into the guy's skill sets um, in terms of what they're probably most comfortable doing but it's also been a pretty good plan of mixing and matching um, different things in terms of making those skill sets work Um, what I'd like to see next is some wrinkles off of those things that um, off of those things that they're already doing whether it's the you know you can kind of do like a fake triple option into a toss sweep out the backside that some teams like to do which can be really effective if they're kind of overloading on the the option on one side um you can kind of do that like zone read fake into a um little pop pass to tight ends and stuff like that so i'd like to see them 
because I, I do think they have to get creative in yep. the passing game in trying to figure out ways to get guys downfield. I'd like to see them start to once all this stuff's on film, right? And they know teams know that hey, we're gonna run Harburg twenty times a game, and they're gonna run Sims twenty times a game, or whatever it is that you can. Once that now that that's on film, you can use that to your advantage to create things in the downfield passing game that haven't necessarily been there. Um, but in terms of QB run specifically, I think it can be the staple of their offense, especially, you know, people wring their hands. It's like, oh, you're going to let a guy get hit 20 times a game, whatever. It's like, do you know how many times drop back passers get hit when they are throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game? Like a lot of guys do now, like at least half the time, right? Like that's those guys get hit all the time. This is not that big of a deal. Both of these guys are big and you have two of them now that you can. That's kind of the through. That's kind of the big thing, right? Like you, you have both of them effectively. You didn't know what Heinrich Harburg was before last week, but now after two weeks, you should feel more comfortable running either quarterback than you did maybe before. Yeah, I would, I would think so. And it's not like, okay, we're, we've, one of them's expendable now, right? Like that's not, <laughs> you know, like that's not what I mean when I say that, but it does give you some confidence. Like you don't have to be quite as, you don't have to be quite as like careful with them. You don't have to like handle them with kid gloves. It's, you know, this it's not QB run as black as is break glass in case of emergency. It can be the staple of your offense now, which I always kind of thought. I thought the I think the QBs getting hit too much thing is all kind of silly considering where the game has come from, especially at the University of Nebraska. So that is always kind of stupid to me. But um yeah, especially now that you've got a backup that you feel okay about, like whether that's Jeff Sims or Heinrich Harburg, like I don't know which one's the backup at this point, but you've got two guys you feel okay about running that offense through. You don't really have to change the offense much for either of those guys. Like it gives you, it gives you some leeway to be a little bit more aggressive in the QB run game. And and that's just, that's only a positive to me because like you said, that's the only thing we've seen consistently from this team that has worked on offense. Um, and I think, you, but that's a good thing to have though. Like, that's that's something that can be a staple. This is not like, oh, they've they're really good at running screens. It's like, what are you gonna run 40 screens a game? Like, probably not, unless you're Bill Callahan. But like that's not a sustainable way to build an entire offense around. You can build an entire offense around QB run game. Yeah. I and I think they have to in order to win these games. I mean, I I feel there's some real parallel to 2020 when Luke McCaffrey got his run for a few games and you mm -hmm. sort of look at an offense that's devoid of downfield playmaking. You're clearly your best weapons or whichever one of those two quarterbacks can take off with his feet. You were talking about getting creative off of the option. And I know this isn't the, uh, the hype cast where we make oddly specific predictions, but it does feel like at some point, either Sims or Harburg is going to start an option play and then drip back into the mm -hmm. kind of the old school option pass. Mm -hmm. And either Thomas Fedoni is just going to be running wide open down the middle on a seam or like Marcus Washington is running at deep posts and there's no safety there. Mm -hmm. And I, I just have this visual of Nebraska scoring a like 65 yard touchdown against Illinois or somebody in that regard, just off of that play. Like it just feels like that's coming at some point. I don't know when it's going to happen, yeah. and I can't guarantee that it's going to get completed. But I feel <laughs> like we're going to see that. But he will happen. be open. He will yeah. be open. Um, <laughs> I mean, it should be the way yeah. that they have. I mean, at one point, Louisiana Tech had nine guys in the box. Yeah. Uh, with I think Nebraska just crossed the fifty, and it's you know 
you see the two safety, like both safeties coming down. It's like they have both wide receivers on an on an island with corners, mm-hmm. and they are not going to take any chance throwing to either of those guys. Yep. And it's you know you understand why, and it's also like if you were just slightly better, the whole world would be open up to you right there. Well, and and you part of me wonders if they're saving some of the like wrinkles for more conference play, Big right? Ten play, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I, I don't know that they had wrinkles to really feel comfortable <laughs> with against Minnesota and Colorado, right? Like, well, we saw him with the trick play against Minnesota, so yeah, that's. But that's when I say wrinkle, I don't like when I say get creative. I don't necessarily mean trick plays. I sure. kind of mean. Build off like, your chain plays. Yeah, variable deviations of what yeah. you normally do. Yeah, deviations of the mm-hmm. of your pet plays, right? So, um, like I saw, I was at Miller North Lincoln Southeast on Friday, and Miller North had basically two variations they were running off of the triple option. They would fake the fullback dive, and then, like I said, do a toss sweep out to the other side, kind of out the back end, and then after that had gotten some chunk plays for them. They would fake the fullback dive, fake the toss sweep, and then QB rollout and send, I believe, the guy from the toss sweep. I, you know, it's hard to tell live sometimes because you're kind of trying to watch 10 different things. But I believe it. They, they snuck the guy from the toss sweep out on kind of a post, and the dude was just wide open. Mm-hmm. Like, it's stuff like that that I'm talking about that I think once you establish, hey, these are the plays that people are going to have to defend then you can start doing deviations and ripples off of those plays to give yourself some, whether it's downfield passing game that you can't generate in the, in the traditional, you know, in traditional offensive methods. So um, I'm really interested to see those start, those things start to kind of happen because like I watched a ton of South Carolina last year in kind of preparation for figuring out who Marcus Satterfield was and there's a ton of wrinkles that he can he can roll out there. Um, we still haven't really seen, I think, um, like guys like Bonner and Borgature and Leventritt and Fidelli. yeah, that aspect is gone. They they have I don't not know if utilized it. Well, it's it, been gone. Absent. It, I, I, yeah. It's been absent. I should I should put it that way. Yeah, I I still think it's coming because I think you look at those that kind of group of guys, or maybe throw, throw Billy Kemp in there as kind of a, um, you know, we saw him on a run uh, yesterday, score a touchdown and you wonder, okay, what all is there in the playbook with those types of guys? Cause I think they have a decent amount of those types of guys that you can feel okay with trying to make plays. You don't have a ton of ride receivers you love. Right. So um, especially in terms of stretching the field, as, as far as downfield threats, because that's not really who Billy Kemp is. Um, so I think in order to get more chunk plays out of the passing game, it's going to have to be stuff like that. And like, I don't know how you can look at this offense and not see it. So I'm sure Marcus Satterfield does. Um, but that's, that's kind of what I'm waiting for next in terms of getting creative off of their base plays. Yeah. Someone listening to this has just put it together that you went for uh, Fred Petito for innovation for Nebraska's offense. <laughs> and they're just dumbfounded by this being a thing. But uh, Listen, I, I know what you mean. It was an incredible play. It was – I was stunned by how well it was executed, the fact that they did it at all. Like, I, I, I went to Miller North, so I'm very familiar with the Miller North offense, right? 
And it was maybe one of the best plays I've seen them run in years. I was stunned by how creative (laughs) and how smart it was. Like, usually they're just like, hey, we're going to run right down your face and you're going to have to deal with it. And they've they've been struggling this year, so that's not always an option. But the, the fact that they had set it up in two different ways and then exploited it, I was just really impressed by that. Uh, last thing for you, Michigan awaits Nebraska. That is going to be a little bit of a bear of a game, though. I do, I do think if depending on what version of JJ McCarthy shows up, Nebraska could certainly hang around. I don't mm. know that they can win, uh, without some real wild stuff, but I think they can hang around. What quarterback are you expecting Saturday against Michigan right now? Um, I'm expecting Hunter Carburg. Yeah, I, is that I, because you think Jeff Sims still isn't healthy enough for him, or are they using that as a cover to just continue to go with Finer Harburg right now? Yeah. Um, so this week, after hearing Rule's comments, I actually I actually made a bet with DB about it on the morning show. He owes me a breakfast sandwich. Um, he will not pay up. Yeah, I know it's fine. He owes me lunch for like the last I don't know three years, <laughs> and I'm still waiting to claim it. That's well, maybe we all just get a group together. Of all the bets that DB needs, it's like to a up. it's a bet intervention for him that really yeah. it's just him having to pay for a nice meal. Um, no, but so I I thought that the way Rule talked about Sims this week, I heard it as yeah that guy's not ready to play, and maybe I was reading too much into it and I just got lucky or whatever. But I was like yeah I think Harburg's gonna start. I don't I don't think he's ready. Um, and then so this week I thought it was genuinely a health issue. Against Michigan, I and I've been told it's not that big of a deal, but I have a hard time with Jeff Sims coming off of the performances he had in the first two games, taking two weeks off, sitting on those performances for two two weeks, and going out against the best team on your schedule by a mile and a half. Best defense, too. Yeah, and being like, here you go, Jeff. Like, to me, that's not putting him in a good position to succeed. 100% 100% agree, and that's why I also think it's going to be Harburg on Saturday. And I felt if it was going to be Jeff Sims against Michigan, you were going to give him the opportunity. I thought you'd at Louisiana least Tech. see him some, yeah. right? Which fact, we did. We got one play. The fact that he wasn't the guy that they threw in at the end, though, like maybe they just wanted to get Purdy snaps, whatever. But if they're trying to play him against Michigan, like I would like to have, if I'm Jeff Sims or if I'm the coaching staff, I would have liked to have gotten out there for a yeah. series or two. Um now, listen, Damon tells me that's not a big deal because he's played at Georgia Tech and he's played Florida State and Clemson and Miami, and maybe he's right. But to me, it's more about coming off of the performances he had, not having anything positive, yeah. basically, to take away in the last two weeks and then hopping in against Michigan. Like, that's that's not a good recipe for me. Yeah, It's not that I don't think he can physically go out and do it. It's that I don't think that there's any rhythm that he's been able to build with this offense that puts you in a position where – this is a guy that you want taking those snaps right from the jump against Michigan. Now, maybe you get in a situation with, with Heinrich Harburg where you want to make the switch in game. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. I, I'm with you. We're, we're in the same brain of that. Like I felt like if it was going to be Jeff Sims against Harburg, the best thing for him would to give him a chance against Louisiana tech to just kind of get the, get the mojo. Right. If that makes sense. Uh, yeah, wash away some of the some of it's the a confidence thing for me as much as anything. Yep. Yeah, it's just a confidence thing for me. Yep. I agree. All right, Robbie. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, joining us here on the Sunday side session uh, with Husker 24-7 Sports. All right. Thank you.
All right, that was Ravi Lula of the Damon Benning Show with Ravi Lula. You can catch that on 590. You can catch that on Herdep Sports. And you can catch everything else at Husker247.com. Plenty of coverage from the game. BC has all of his good stuff. Bruns has his stuff. We have report cards. We have game balls. We have conversation starters. There will be more things coming today. There's going to be recruiting. Everything that you want at Husker247.com. Check it out. We'll be back later this week with more podcast content. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. 